Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the deciding point, our Cracked Rackets weekly breakdown of the biggest storylines happening throughout the tennis world. On this week's show, we are talking 2021 Wimbledon gentlemen's singles results. Of course, we have to talk about Novak Djokovic winning Grand Slam number 20, probably solidifying his case as the greatest men's tennis player of the open era. Of course, we have to talk about some of the other trends that emerged as well. Outside of Novak Djokovic, you You see the post-Big 3 hierarchy starting to take form. Where does everyone rest in that hierarchy? That's something we'll discuss. I also want to talk about two players I'm buying all of the stock in. FAA, Hubie Hercots, winners of this Wimbledon, winners moving forward as well. I'll explain why. All of that discussed on today's show. With that in mind, Westoff, roll those credits. Let's get after it. It has finally happened, folks. We have a three-way tie at the top of the men's singles Grand Slam count in the open era. Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal are now joined by Novak Djokovic at that 20-title count. Djokovic winning number 20 at the 2021 Wimbledon. It's his third Grand Slam title of this 2021 season. Here are the things, by the way, he still has in play. He can win the calendar Grand Slam, become the first man to do it since Rod Laver. For those that don't know, the calendar Grand Slam winning all four singles titles in the same season. Of course, Djokovic has held all four singles title at once. If you go back to 2016, he won the 2015 Wimbledon, 2015 US Open, 2016 Australian Open, and 2016 French Open. He's never, though, held all four titles in the same calendar year. He can also win a fifth significant title, that Olympic title title to give him that golden slam and he would be the first player ever to win all five in the same season certainly again that gold medal in singles the one missing piece perhaps in his otherwise flawless resume and you look for Novak Djokovic I talked about this after the French Open now that he's got grand slam number 20 as well I don't know where the arguments start for the other players. Novak Djokovic is truly the greatest men's tennis player in the open era. You look by every metric, he's going to have the most weeks as world number one. More likely than not, yes, this is slam 20, but you look at the pace he's been at, the dominance he showed, not only at this year's Australian Open, not only at this Wimbledon where he dropped two sets, but he showed he can compete now at the French Open as well. Is there any reason to think he can't get to 21? 22, maybe borderline 25 Grand Slams. It feels like he's chasing Serena and Margaret Court now, perhaps even less so uh, than he's trying to solidify his count against Rafa or Roger. And, you know, again, beyond that, most Masters 1000 titles, he's very likely to end his career number one in that spot. You look at, you know, wins against top 10 opponents. He's trailing Federer, I believe, by four top 10 wins now. You don't think he's going to earn four more top 10 wins over the course of the next three 
months, let alone the rest of his career. I think he does. I think he ultimately passes Federer there. Now, will he get Federer in terms of all-time wins? Will he get to Connors in terms of all-time titles? It's tough because given the current structure, the internal incentives of the way tennis is played nowadays, he doesn't need to play as many tournaments. He doesn't need to go chase points, chase titles because his foothold at, at, the, at the top of with the number one ranking and the prize money he makes by winning the biggest titles doesn't need to go chase those 250 titles unless they're in his home country of Serbia. So again, those counting metrics, perhaps not, but by everything else, career head to head, he leads Rafa, he leads Federer, he leads Murray, he leads all of his peers. Novak by every metric has established himself at the top of the men's game. And again, what's the scariest part is that by the numbers, he's playing close to the best tennis of his career. Now, you know, by break percentage, he's at 34.6%. That number trails only his defining and breakout 2011 season where he won what? His first 42, 43 matches, whatever that was. You look at his first serve win percentage. It's the highest number since 2015. His third highest number behind 15 and 11. You look at total serve points one again, third highest number behind 20. 2015, 2011. You look at just every metric, first serve points one, second serve points one. He is above his career averages. Now, some of that speaks to the level of competition, but it also speaks to the fact that this version of Novak Djokovic has hit a different gear. And the big number at Wimbledon through his first six matches, he won over 85% of his first serve points. If he's able to find that gear as a server, then continue to do everything else he's able to do, put returns on your feet and drop them within, you know, a dime on the baseline. I don't know how you beat this version of Novak Djokovic, barring hitting through him some sort of miraculous big serving, big forehand performance. And we saw shades of that from Berrettini. But again, for Djokovic to be doing all of this and to do it all at age 34, like let's look at his peers, Rafa, bald, Murray, two metal hips, Federer, loses in the quarterfinals of this tournament to Hubi Harkats and is clearly closer to the way out than he is in, but Federer's a little bit older, so honestly, that's probably who Djokovic is trying to pace himself after. But like, and then there's Novak, who looks identical, who still eats the grass off the grass court after winning another Wimbledon title, who's won over 80% of his ATP level matches on hard courts, clay courts, and grass courts. Those are your three surfaces, folks. He has 80% success rate on all three. He's the only player who can say that. He's redefined what is possible in the men's game. His combination of athleticism, fluidity, precision, intelligence, and just never say die attitude. I don't know if we're ever going to see a combination like this again across men's or women's tennis. Novak Djokovic truly puts the word unique, one of a kind to the, you know, he truly defines that term or truly meets the definition of that term, I should say. He captures Grand Slam number 20. Felt like he didn't even have to play his best tennis on the route to this slam title. You saw it, you know, you saw his best effort at moments, but he didn't even have to reach that Rafael Nadal, Roland Garros semifinal level he did at the French Open to win this event. And yet he still wins it comfortably. 20 grand slams, the fact that 25 is legitimately in play is something that is just remarkable. It's the decade of Djokovic, and as tennis fans, we all have, should be so thankful that we get to enjoy the ride. Yes, Novak Djokovic captured the 2021 Wimbledon singles title, but if you look out at the bigger picture, you can see a trend we've discussed here at Crack Rackets emerge quite clearly now, of course, 
all of us have been wondering, when is that generational shift going to solidify itself on the ATP Tour? We see Nadal, Djokovic, even Federer continuing their success into the 2020s. Will there ever reach a point where that success comes to a halt, where the next gen officially solidifies themselves, not only at the biggest events, but week in, week out, day in, day out, as the standard setters in men's tennis? I think if you look at the results, they've done the latter part. They have yet to break through at the slams, but you look at some of the trends we've seen emerging. Last four Grand Slams, 2020 U.S. Open Final, Team versus Zverev. Zverev, obviously, a next-gener born, born 96 or later. Australian Open, it's Medvedev against Djokovic. French Open, Tsitsipas, two sets to love up on Novak Djokovic. Wimbledon, Berrettini takes the first set off of Novak Djokovic. That's four different next-geners in the past four Grand Slams. You look this season, it's Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev, Berrettini, those are your four guys who have made the fourth rounder better at every Grand Slam this season. You look even beyond that, seven next-gen ATP players. And again, I consider the next-gen generation players born 1996 or later. That's when the marketing campaign began. I was born in 1995. It just works for me. All these guys about 25 or younger. Certainly, once you hit the 26 threshold, it's not next-gen. It's now-gen. But again, just the branding, next-gen ATP, that cohort is who I am talking about. Seven guys have made semifinals. The aforementioned four, Medvedev, Zverev, Berrettini, Tsitsipas. You add Denis Shapovalov and Hubi Hurkacz to that mix after this 2021 Wimbledon. The other player you throw in there would be Hyun Chung, who unfortunately, obviously, we haven't seen compete in a little bit of time. But beyond that, there are 15 guys with quarterfinals now. And I already mentioned the previous seven, the guys you'd add to that list, Rublev, Hachinov, Chorich, Demonauer, Tiafo, Davidovich, Fokina. Those are your additional, I believe that is the rest of the group. Oh, and yeah, I think I said Yannick Sinner already, but that's another one you'd add to the mix as well. And Felix Ogier, Aliasim, that's a name I had missed. So those are your 15 guys who have made Grand Slam quarterfinals. And then again, Masters titles now. Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Hachinov, they've all got them. You look at, you know, even beyond that, some of the guys who have been, you know, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, they've won the last three year-end finals as well. It's just... These guys continue to do it at every other event. You look at whether it's runs by an Andre Rublev, who was dominant at the end of last season and has had ATP 500 level success over and over again. Or, you know, the next generation of young guys, you see Carlos Alcaraz ripping through the challenger circuit. Lorenzo Musetti breakthrough runs, wins the first two sets against Novak Djokovic at the French Open. And, you know, a guy like Sebastian Corda, who's now made round of 16 at both Wimbledon and the French Open, who's won an ATP title. A guy like Brandon Nakashima working his way up, qualifies at Wimbledon as well. You can point to countless guys over and over again, but the thing this generation, again, 15 of them have done that it felt like the early 90s guys, the Dimitrov, Rayonich, Nishikori generation was never able to do, even David Goffin, like, you know, fine, you want to throw Carino Busta in there, Schwartzman in there, that's six. Like, I have named 15 guys in this next-gen generation that are ready that are at the, you know, on the on the leash, they're ready, you know, they're in the reins uh, to take over the tour and be competing for second weeks of Grand Slams for those semifinal final stage. And we don't have a clear-cut favorite yet. None of the group, and while there are leaders, I would certainly argue Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, probably a little bit gear up ahead of everyone else. Berrettini right on uh, the cusp, uh, right on their foot, uh, right on their feet. And then, you know, guys 
like Sinner, Rublev, FAA in that mix as well. And then, obviously, there's the next tier of guys, the Tommy Pauls, the Taylor Fritzes, the, you know, Riley Opelkas, Sasha Bublik's, Miomir Kesmenovic's of the world. There are so many talented next-geners who are solidifying themselves as top 75 talents, top 50 talents, top 30 talents, even top 10 and 5 talents as well. The generational shift is here. You know, when was the last time we talked Dimitrov, Rayonich, Nishikori making a run at a Grand Slam semifinal or a final? And injuries have had a lot to do with that, of course, but so is life in professional tennis. And I think these next geners, their combination of youth, their combination now of experience, and then overall their level of play it's their world outside of Novak Djokovic. It's Novak Djokovic's world, but outside of that, the prism within his world, he allows the next gen to thrive. So many of them are. I think we're going to see another breakthrough summer where we see these next geners winning Cincy, winning the City Open, winning the Rogers Cup, giving these top, you know Djokovic a run at the U.S. Open. Can they stop him from winning all four slams in a calendar year? I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing to let a four, 34-year-old do that to you, even if it's Novak Djokovic, but they're well positioned to do so. And so it is a fascinating storyline. Again, we see the broader picture. The next gen is here. Which guys are going to be clearly the top of the top? It's unclear what that answer is. Last stat I'll throw at you all. From 1996 to 2005, 19 different slam winners in men's singles. 19 over a 10-year span. If I told you from 2024 to 2033, there are going to be 19 different slam winners, that might be a little high. But 10 to 12? I think that's right in the realm. And so, again, we've seen chaos before in ATP history. This is what it looks like at the beginning. All of these players in the mix. Really, really fun time to be following the ATP Tour. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. We here at Cracked Rackets try to stay as neutral as possible in our perspectives towards individual players competing in the professional game. Of course, we have players we are fond of, players who have been so kind to us here at CR, but so as to observe the game objectively, we try to stay away from keeping favorites. Of course, we'll root for our picks to have success, but more than anything else, we are hoping the sport succeeds. All of that is to say, I say this from a purely objective standpoint. If you are selling your stock in Felix Ogier Aliasim, if you do not believe he has the upside of a future Grand Slam champion, I will buy it from you at that price of a single Grand Slam champion. Because to be honest, if I'm setting the over-under, I think it's at one and a half. I think Felix Ogier Aliasim has the sort of talent and has displayed all before the age of 2021 that he's got the goods, that he is going to be a future champion on the ATP Tour. I've made the case repeatedly on our Cracked Rackets podcast, but it's worth mentioning once again, he's a former world junior number one, a former slam champion, a guy on whom expectations has been on his shoulders Since the early onset of his career, you look early on for Felix. You know, I've mentioned this fact before. Richard Gasquet, Del Potro, Nadal, Djokovic, Felix Ogier-Aliassime, and now Carlos Alcaraz. Those are the six guys who have set every record 
on the ATP Challenger Tour based on age. Youngest player to win a match. Youngest player to win a Challenger title. Youngest player to win multiple Challenger titles. That's the category FAA routinely found himself with. And he was the youngest to win an ATP level match since Rafa Nadal. He was, you know, the youngest to make a final since Nadal and Djokovic. And just year after year, time after time, he set these records. And I understand FAA is 0-8 in ATP finals. But the glass half full perspective would be he's made eight ATP finals before the age of 21 and he's done it on all three surfaces. You look for him at the slams. He's now made fourth rounds on uh, two of the three surfaces, but at three of the four slams. He's done it in Australia. He's done it at the US Open. He's done it at Wimbledon. He's now made his first quarter final at a slam at this 2021 Wimbledon. Knocks off a top 10 seed, one of his nemesises, a guy, nemeses, I suppose, a guy he was 0-3 against in Alex Zverev uh, in a five-set match where he blew a two-sets-to-love deficit and just, you know, again, FAA can do so many things so well and, you know, is it the glaring physics? You watch an Alex Zverev play and the Daniil Medvedev and their wingspan just jumps off the page and their ability to do a little bit of everything you can tell within five minutes of watching it. It's not quite that fluid as them and yet he's a top-tier athlete just like them. When you watch FAA, does he lack in power? No. Does he lack in a quick first step? No. Does he lack a brutally efficient footwork? No. Does he lack in having a plan B, C, and D right now? Yes, but is that power tennis good enough to be plan A? Yes. Does it sound like a cannon is taking off every time he hits a forehand with his feet set? Yes. Does it remind you that thunderousness? It reminds you of like a Shaq in 2000, the way he just dunked over people, took down hoops and just his physicality, his athleticism, the the heavy, you know, the strength and the power with which he did things was different than everyone else. That's the same thing when FAA plays his tennis. The weight of that serve, that forehand, the sound coming off of the racket, it's just different than everyone else and Look, for FAA, I'll say it again. The way he rips a backhand to me might be the most impressive thing. His ability to hit through a court, cross court off of that wing, it is not something that a lot of people as a trait can share. And so, again, I think the grass courts fit him so perfectly. And you look for him. He made a final uh, on the grass courts before losing to Marin Cilic. He loses in three sets to Ugo Umber at the 500 in Hala. And then, you know, makes the quarterfinals before he's knocked out by the eventual finalist in Matteo Berrettini in four sets, a close four set match. All of these benchmarks he's hit, and I know he's still, you know, you look for him 34 and 24 over his last 52 weeks. It's a 59% win percentage. That's pretty constant to what we've seen from him in 2018, 19, and 20. And, you know, he's been a top 30 player now for about two and a half seasons. That's, again, to solidify yourself in that sort of ranking before the age of 21, that speaks to how special he is. And you look for him now in his career against top 10 players, Felix Ogier, Aliasim. Currently, you look for him overall 5 and 16. And, you know, for him in particular, that second serve, 48.2% win percentage, that struggles compared to his career average of 51% on that serve. And so, again, For a 20-year-old, though, to struggle at the second serve percentage when that's the gaping hole and, you know, the break percentage, the harder the serve, the more difficult, I suppose, it gets for him. But currently, he's 17th in hold percentage amongst top 50 players. And you watch him play, the the more solid he gets with the plus one ball, the better his shot selection becomes. That number has the potential and his serve has the potential to be a top five serve. I think watching Matteo Berrettini play, that's a really nice facsimile of what uh, FAA could become. I think he is Matteo Berrettini. 
Albertini, but then a more dynamic backhand, a little bit less consistent right now, but I think has the power and the ability to become that consistent five years from now when he's 25. I am such a fan of FAA's work. I will, again, if you are selling the stock, if you don't think Grand Slam champion, you think some of these other next geners have passed him, that's fine. I'll take it. I think this was a huge victory for him in Wimbledon. I think this summer hardcore stretch is set up really well for him to have another breakthrough. Keep your eye on Felix Ogier Aliasim down the stretch in 2021. Listeners of our Cracked Rackets content will know I try to incorporate as many analytics as I can into my coverage of the sport. If the numbers are telling me something, if my eyes are telling me that same thing as well, more likely than not, it's probably happening on the tennis court. And while I will turn to some official stats for Hoopy Hercots, this is an unofficial one here at CR headquarters. I am pretty sure a player has never gone from a six-match losing streak to the semifinals of a Grand Grand Slam, the first semifinal, by the way, of their career at a Grand Slam, all in the same stretch. But that's exactly what Hubie Hercats has done. The 2021 Miami Open champion, now a Grand Slam semifinalist as well, as he knocks off Roger Federer to reach the first semifinals at a slam of his career. It was also his first round of 16, first quarterfinal, first semifinal, all in the same event. Again, it comes off of the back of him winning that Miami Masters title, winning his first match of the clay court season, but then six consecutive losses between his second round match in Monte Carlo and the start of Wimbledon. You look for Hubie Hercot's definition of a tennis chameleon, guy who plays to the level of his opponents. And I think his career numbers reflect that fact. You look for him in his last 52 weeks, 12 and 11 against top 50 opponents, but seven and five against the top 20, four and two against the top 10. You look for him in his career, 14 and 21 against top 20 opponents, nine and 11 against top 10. The better the opponent, the more disciplined it forces him to be in. Hubie Hercots is a guy who can do a million things on the court. Plans B, C, and D for him, they're all there. You want to play a slice game? He'll play slice game with you. You want to play power tennis? He can play power tennis. That first serve, six foot six, his length, his variety, he can do a little bit of everything. Play slice. Go big and flat down the line. Get to the net and look comfortable and be comfortable up there. I think he's one of the rare next geners with elite hands, elite feel, elite ability to read the court when he's at the net and just... You know, because he's a jack of all trade, he struggled to figure out, well, what should plan A be for me? And you look for Hubie Hercots. Now, I think he came closer to finding that plan A here at Wimbledon, and it always is going to start with that first serve. He was winning 81% of his first serve points coming into the, the semifinal round of every player who played the event. It trailed, you know, Djokovic, Berrettini, uh, and that was it of the, you know, uh, and that was how good he was on the first serve. And, you know, beyond that, with that wingspan, because he's solid off of both wings, puts a ton of balls in the court, particularly can make a bunch of returns in the court as well, whether it's the forehand wing, the backhand wing. I do think his forehand's a little bit more vulnerable to pace, but still, he's a guy who can do so much so well. And you look for him again, 
whether it was his run in Miami where he beats Rublev, Tsitsipas, Rayanich, Shapovalov, and just, you know, whether it was run here at Wimbledon where he beats, you know, Medvedev and he beats Federer and he does all of these different things to reach the semifinals here at this event because he's got such a broad skill set. He's just a tough matchup for any opponent to play. If you're a grinder, he's going to take advantage of that fact, take the ball early and attack. And if you're someone who wants to play plus one, he can either match your plus one and then, you know, use his return to limit your opportunities to play that sort of style. So Hubi Hercots, he just epitomizes to me the modern men's tennis game. That length he has, six foot six again, but for someone that size to move as fluidly as he does across different surfaces, can slide on hard courts, grass courts, this insane flexibility, will dive when he's at the net and, you know, again, can pop 130, 135 mile per hour first serves when he wants to as well, can play, you know, long rallies from the baseline, but then is also comfortable moving forward, can play slice, can play short angles, can do a little bit of everything. That's what you have to have in modern men's tennis. Of course, weapons are put at a premium as well, but he has those weapons and then he's got the variety to do everything else as well. I'm all in on the Hubie bandwagon. I think a lot of us has have been since we saw him in Miami. I like to think we were on the bandwagon here before that 2018 offseason. Stokowiak and I named him one of our 2019 offseason, excuse me. We named him one of our players to watch heading into 2020 on a mini break podcast. All of you can go listen to, but again, this Wimbledon confirms what we all saw in Miami, and it gives Hubie that confidence he needs entering his most dangerous portion of the season, these hardcore events. Hubie Hercot's unequivocally one of your biggest winners at the 2021 Wimbledon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 